Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. All right, that's my second favorite uh, sermon intro video ever. My favorite is The Meddler by Chevelle and then New Thing by DC Talk. Come on. I'm, I'm actually sort of enjoying this uh, retro thing, you know, reaching back a couple of years, singing Shout to the Lord and Our God is an Awesome God. Does anybody remember those the first time through? Yeah, it was sort of fun the first time through. It's, uh, it's sort of fun the second time through. We pull those back up. So, um, so the sermon series is retro, where we're learning from those who have gone before. So um, just for the fun of it this morning, a lumberjack walks into the magic forest. And in the magic forest, he's about to cut down a tree. And the tree talks to him and said, you can't cut me down. I'm a talking tree. And the lumberjack says, and you will dialogue. One, one more, I found this, I just had to share this one. The other day I was at the store and I bought some coconut shampoo and then I got home and I realized I don't even have a coconut. I love that one. Uh, the other one was for you, that one was for me, all right? Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? We're in Jeremiah. We're going to memorize this passage together, I hope, over the next several weeks. Jeremiah 6.16. We're going to read it out loud. We're going to read it out loud a couple of times just to help you get it and help me get it. All right, y'all ready? This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Let's do it again. One more time, all right? This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So what is the the goal here? What is the goal? Is that when we embrace the old ancient paths, we will find what? Rest for our souls. It's a good path. It's not a bad path. It's the best path you can take. And it's a path that will bring rest for your souls. At the end of 2020, I'm sure we all need a little rest, right? We're entering into a new year and we need rest for our souls. And God, I pray that through this message series, you would bring rest for our souls. In the name of Jesus, bring rest for our souls, we pray. Amen. Hey man, you may be seated, but before you're seated, give somebody a big smile. Let them see a smile from you online. Here's your smile today. Everybody needs a smile and you need to know you're loved. All right. So um, before we get all carried away, I tell you what, uh, we're doing this sermon series. It, it sort of, we went retro when I was um, talking to one of our youth pastors from years gone by. His name is Brody Reich and his church is doing the retro series with us. And if you were around during Brody days, give me a woohoo. All right, so here we have Brody. Uh, he's going he's gonna to speak to us for just a second. Let's just go there. Well, hey, good morning, Harvest Ridge. My name is Pastor Brody Wright. It's about I time I got him silenced, man. All right, can you back it up so we get it from the beginning? Well, hey, good morning, Harvest Ridge. My name is Pastor Brody Reich. I am your retro youth pastor from 2004 to 2008. And so my, uh, my wife as well wants to say hello to all of you wonderful people at Harvest Ridge. And if you, if you remember us from 04 and 08 and just want to check in, here's a Christmas card. Um, and it, there's what my crew looks like now. And, and I'm the one there in the buffalo plaid holding the brown dog um, kind of top right if you're having trouble picking me out there in that group. But, <laughs> Hey, it does me well to partner with you, with this wonderful church, and begin 2021 together. And I hope you're ready for this retro series. It begins in Jeremiah 6.16, which says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I hope you found yourself at the beginning of 2021 standing at that crossroads. Because see, there's always a new thing. There's always 
get things back to normal or there's the new normal or there's these new things that we need to try. That stuff is always going to be there and it's always been there. But the ancient paths also have too. And this is what the Lord is calling us back to in this moment. To be the church. They even did in what they did in Acts 1 where it said they waited together for the Holy Spirit. They were all in one accord and waited for the presence of the Lord. And so I hope you see that that ancient path is a path of devotion, of loyalty, sacrifice, integrity, and toughness. And I, I am excited to, to connect with Pastor Crow each week as we prepare these messages. Um, your pastor is fired up, and he is a man of God that is excited. He's got so much to say, and it feels like so little time to, to speak to you through this retro series. This may be a very important time in the history of the church, and things may never be the same. And so as I begin, as we begin 2021, I hope you see yourself at that crossroads and find yourself in January on into the whole year at the feet of the living God with him as your first love and true devotion. And everything else along that path will be fulfilled as he is your first love. So look forward to praying with you and partnering with you this month. Love you, Harvest Ridge Church. God bless you. Have an incredible 2021. All right, so I have to, I have to go Brody on you here for a second. Okay, everyone. <laughs> I love Brody. Brody's awesome. He, he was uh, right next to me for years in the office, and I, I love him a lot, and I miss him. He's a good guy. He's pastor in a church down in, uh, uh, on the far west south side of Ohio. So anyway, glad he's doing this. Why are we doing retro series? Well, first of all, you got cards in the seat in front of you. See those cards? Or you can go online or you, there's all kinds of ways, but we're doing a reading throughout the month of January. So this week you're going to be reading with your family the passages we're going to look at today. Uh, part of the reason we're doing that is I believe that biblical illiteracy is in danger of overtaking the next generation. I want us to do something about it. So read this with your kids, all right? Read the adult Bible with your kids this week. They won't get it all, but they will get that you're reading it with them, all right? Read the adult Bible with your kids this week, all right? Do I, am I making myself clear? So if you need one of those cards there in front of you, the retro reading is also on the website. You can go to our new app. We finally have a new app. We finally are done with our old website. Praise God, praise God. We're making advances. We started building this week to get online sound taken care of. We're gonna start the process. We started building this week. Um, thank you for your Kingdom Builders gifts. We're starting upstairs and I carried uh, um, two by fours upstairs yesterday. We're doing this. We're moving ahead. You see, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God's church is moving ahead. We're standing at a crossroads today looking for the ancient paths saying, where are the good paths? Where are the paths to walk in? You know, when uh, I, I use this illustration, I'm going to use it every week. When Lewis and Clark started from St. Louis to find the West Coast, they came to the Rocky Mountains. When they came to the Rocky Mountains, they needed to find a way over and through the mountains. So they searched for a path. And they documented the path. And then they went back and they told people where the pass was, where the valley was, you could make it through. And then they sent wagon trains through there. And before long, there was a road there. And then the railroads went through there. And then today, if you drive through there, there's a super highway through that pass because we have improved the ancient paths, but we have maintained truth that the ancient paths, they found a better way. And the ancient paths we're going to look at in the book of Acts are the ancient paths of last week, we talked about uh, devotion to God. This week, we're going to talk about loyalty. Loyalty um, is what it's really all about. Loyalty to God and, well, three entities. We'll talk about those in a second. But why, why do this sermon series? Why talk about this? Because I believe God has called us to be a church that raises up Daniel's, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's in the middle of a persecuted, in the middle of a Babylonian world. I believe the Spirit is saying to me that things are changing in our culture. And being a Christian will not be the popular, easy thing to do moving forward. And if we're going to do this, and we're going to follow Jesus with all of our hearts and live in the best ways, 
then we need to be committed and sold out regardless of the cost. We need to be devoted and we need to be loyal. So there, the guy we're sort of taking there is Daniel. Daniel was 70 years old. He had been raised in Israel as a boy. He had seen the temple. And about the time he was 12 years old, the temple was destroyed and he was taken away to Babylon. And he lived his entire life as probably, probably a eunuch in Babylon, having been castrated. His name was changed, his house was changed, his world was changed. Everything about him was changed. And yet when he's 70 years old, he still, according to the scriptures, he still is praying at the time of the evening sacrifice. So that influence on him, young in his life, led him through the crisis of living in a messed up world for decades and decades and a world to which he invested and was better because of him and he shined the light of Christ everywhere he went. That's what I want us to be and that's what I want our kids to be and I want us to raise up a next generation that remains faithful and true to God regardless of the persecution, regardless of the difficulty and that they will be a light that literally impacts the darkness around them. That is why we're here. Now, I got a letter this past week from um, a missionary we have several missionaries. One of them is in China and he interacts with the underground church in China. And when asked about, I don't know if you know this or not, but persecution in China has really been turned up on the church. Did y'all know that? It's become really bad and the persecution's become very strong and it's bad. And when asked about that, um, I was, I had lunch with another missionary of ours that's in China. And, and this missionary said that the Chinese church, whenever he was talking to the leaders, cause he, he lives there now, his entire identity is Chinese and he just sold out to go be live in China. And this guy said, um, the Chinese church are repenting that they become soft. They're repenting that they've become acceptable. And they're saying, God, forgive us for becoming soft and not being light in the darkness and not being the, the sold out followers of Christ. They're repenting because they realize that they become comfortable rather than driven to follow Jesus. This letter from another missionary from China, th this is his response. He said, but as we sensed, we didn't have a long time to influence the kids as we thought we did. And I'm reading... This is exactly as he said it. He said, but as we sensed that we didn't had a long time to influence the kids as we thought we did, we began to tell the kids about God and gospel more directly than we did during the morning devotion time with the staff and the students. We began to be more fervent and straight to the point. So difficulty did not cause them to shrink back, but causes them to push into God and to be more committed, more devoted and more loyal. Why? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today is the loyalty. In less than 300 years, this church of 120 followers in the book of Acts turned the whole world upside down so that the, the most powerful uh, empire that ever ruled the earth, the most powerful empire was broken before Christ in less than 300 years from 120 people to breaking the empire. How did that happen? Well, I believe it's because they were loyal. Let's talk for a second. We have a loyalty issue in our culture today. We do. We stand at an altar and before God we pledge that we're gonna love one person for the rest of our lives. And then we don't do that. Come on, that's rampant, am I correct? All right, we have become Amazon Christians. You know what Amazon Christians are, don't you? You may have went to your corner local IGA to support them for years because they're local and you want to support people who are in your community. But now you get scared, so you go to Amazon and you buy everything you want on Amazon because it's 33 cents cheaper. We will sell out the people we love for the sake of moment of convenience or a few pennies. Come on now. Are y'all live in this room? Because I'm, I'm listening to me online. I, I'm just talking to you. Just talking to you, we have a problem in our culture. We're not loyal to people that we've, we've covenanted to be loyal to anymore. I don't feel, listen, in, in this time, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this and get mad at me if you want to, I don't care. But in this time, there are people that are walking away from the church because they don't feel 
whatever that feel may be. And I, I, I want to encourage you that uh, if, you know, your, your church has <laughs> lost integrity or isn't preaching the gospel, isn't reaching out to lost people, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. That's reason to start looking around. But if you don't feel, maybe the problem's not the church, maybe the problem's you. Maybe you have a problem with loyalty. Because I tell you what, if I got divorced every time I didn't feel like being married to my wife, I wouldn't have been married after like week one. <laughs> we have to, in our culture, we have to get past Amazon Christianity and become a people who are loyal to the things we need to be loyal to. And I don't care how you feel about it. And I'll get to, I don't care what group think says about it. We need to be loyal. So let's jump into it. I got a lot of ground to cover. Y'all ready? First one is we're loyal to God. Now, last week we talked about the day of Pentecost. These believers, they got to the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the spirit. They're like on fire. They're preaching 3000 people get saved. And then Peter and John, the very next chapter, chapter three, verse one, they're on their way to the temple. And it says that uh, one day as Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth, everybody say lame from birth. So this guy wasn't just sick today. This had been a long ongoing thing. He was lame from birth. He was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were in the temple courts. When they saw Peter, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. I like this because uh, there's a time you got to look at somebody, look them in the eye when they ask you for something. He looked him straight in the eye, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. And the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Wow, I wish he only knew what was going to happen next. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. I heard one, um, one preacher say years ago, we can't say silver and gold I do not have anymore. And since we can't say that, we probably can't say the second part. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying you can't be rich and follow Jesus. I'm simply saying this, is that if your focus is on what you have, you will never find your fulfillment in the God who is more than enough. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And then take him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God and walking and jumping and praising God. Does anybody remember that song? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Boy, we need to bring some of those kids, uh, those songs back, right? Maybe we need to do a kids' church Sunday in here on Sunday. I can teach you some good stuff in here. All right, Acts three fifteen. And when Peter was called on account, they're like the Sanhedrin got mad at him for healing a guy, so they called him in and they said, "What are you doing?" And Peter said, "You." Killed the author of life. Remember, this is the same Peter that ran away because a little slave girl was, was accusing him of following Jesus. And he says, you, looking at the people who killed Jesus, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witness of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. And then what happened? They got really mad and they threw him into jail. So chapter four, verse three, they seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. Then they called him out and asked him to talk to him. Why'd you do this? Peter said, verse 8 chapter 4 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them rulers and elders of the people if we're being called to count today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed well then know this you and all the people of Israel it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified but whom God has raised from the dead this man stands before you healed sounds like he is not very loyal to Jesus there's a lot of loyalty here. What does he keep doing? He keeps saying, hey, Jesus healed him. And Jesus is the stone you builders rejected and he's become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You want to make an impact on your world? Spend some time with Jesus. See, there is salvation found in no one else, and you can tell when a person hasn't been with Jesus when they've been really religious, like this little video clip. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. A man and a woman. Now this guy got all kinds of garbage for saying a man and a woman. Just in case you didn't know, a man is not a gendered term, all right? A man simply means so be it, okay? It's just a word. It's not saying amen. So saying amen and a woman reveals Maybe he was making a joke. Maybe he was being stupid. And I was amazed that he got all this garbage over saying that. But what he didn't catch garbage for was saying, in the name of the monotheistic God Brahma and all the other gods by many other names. What? This guy claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ and is a pastor of a church of a certain denomination for which I will not name the Methodist. But there's only one name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And it is not Brahma, and it is not the monotheistic God or the God of many other names. It is Jesus Christ, the name above all names. God our Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. He is Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And listen, if you think different than that, you're wrong. I love you, but you can be wrong. You can say that Pittsburgh is better than the Browns, but you're wrong. Now, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm not going there. I will say Ohio State's going to win, though. I will. <laughs> Come on. We can have some fun, right? All right. No, no, seriously. I'm being serious here. God, through Jesus, Brahma, never died for your sins and was resurrected on the third day. No other God in the entire world has, but Jesus Christ, God become flesh, died upon a cross and was resurrected on the third day. And the very people that saw it happen stood and looked in the eyes of the killers and said, oh yeah, you want to kill us? We're still going to tell you Jesus is the only way. What does it take for that to happen to somebody that was running a few days before? I'll tell you what happened. They experienced a resurrected Jesus. What are you loyal to? You loyal to Facebook or Twitter or Parler or Instagram? What are you loyal to? I am loyal to Jesus. When released, they didn't run for cover. What did they do? Why were they able to talk like this? Chapter 4, verse 23, on the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, Lord, consider their threats. So they've already been in prison. They've already been threatened. They've already, man, it's, it's getting bad. They're threatening. We're going to kill you guys like we did your leader. And they said, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice their prayer. Their prayer isn't, oh God, protect us. Oh God, keep me safe. I'll talk about safe in a couple of weeks. We made an idol out of safety in our culture, but I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. What did they pray? Come on, their lives are on the line. What did they pray? Boldness. Maybe we're praying the wrong prayer. We're not getting our prayers answered because we're praying the wrong prayer. We need to pray for boldness. Not so they can be jerks to the culture, but so they can stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So what did they do? They just keep doing what they were doing before. Acts 5, 28, you gave, we gave you, says the Sanhedrin, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. 
Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And Peter and the other apostles looked at him and said, we must obey God rather than man. So they called the apostles in 540 and they had them flogged. So now they're beating them. And flogging, I don't know, I, maybe, I went to school back in the day when they used paddles on you, and I wasn't a very bright young man, and I didn't listen very well, and I had, I, I, anyway, I, was, I got beat a few, I, I got whippings a few times. And I will tell you, there have been days that I, I had this one teacher, he was a little coach, he was Coach Troy, he's about this big, and had a bald head, and he was the quickest man I ever met in my life. And I, I got in a fist fight, I think's what it was, and, and he didn't like it because uh, he got mad at me and he took that paddle and bent me over and I grabbed my ankles and he goes whack and he literally lifted me up off the, with that little paddle. I, I've, I've gotten whipped in my life, but I've never gotten beat like this. This is the beat that they take you and they lash you and if they hit you one more time, you die. They had it figured out that if they beat you 39 times, you would live. And if they hit you 40 times, you would probably die. That's pretty, pretty good beating. And they took it for the name of Jesus. And they ordered them, you stop this. Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. So what did the apostles do? They left the Sanhedrin. Look at, look at the word. The apostles left the Sanhedrin doing what? rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They were loyal to Jesus even if it cost them blood and flesh. And our loyalty to Jesus stops when we don't feel good. How about this one? Acts 7, 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He knew where his reward was. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And with this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And while the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul, and while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out a prayer that Christians need to pray right now. Father, forgive them. You see, Stephen was more concerned about the reconciliation of people to God than he was about being right. I'm just going to leave that there because if I say more, I'm going to get in trouble. I, I will say this, though. Who's your loyalty to? Your opinions or to God? Let's make sure that we're presenting a resurrected Jesus to a broken world, not more of our own opinions. There are four lessons we Oh, and, and after this, Stephen died. So let me see if I've got this right. We've gone from suffering threats to imprisonment to beating and now death. And in all of those things, the early church were loyal to Jesus no matter what it cost them. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, feel good message, right? The lessons are they were loyal. They stood faithful to God even when it cost them dearly. They didn't claim any power for themselves, but were constantly saying that Jesus is the one doing all these miracles. And when the pressure was on, they didn't run, they prayed. When the pressure was on, they didn't run, they what? Prayed. And then when they suffered press, deaths, uh, threats, imprisonment, beating, and even death, they did not deny Christ, they stayed loyal. The second thing they were loyal to, second entity is truth. Y'all still with me? Yes. Truth, what is truth? Well, let's talk about truth for a second. Truth by its very nature is exclusive. I heard somebody tell me recently that you have your truth and I have my truth. And I said, no, you don't. You have your view of the truth and I have my view of the truth. And that doesn't mean either one of those are right, but truth is truth regardless of your view of it. There are not multiple truths in this world. There is one truth. People that say, there's no such thing as an exclusive truth just made an exclusive truth. Are you following me here? 
Truth by its very nature is exclusive and everything else is a shade of a lie. Pilate, like every politician, when Jesus was standing there beside him, says, what is truth? What is truth? What is truth? Let me tell you what truth is. The very person standing next to Pilate. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. If you want truth, go to Jesus. So what's about to happen here is the early church is going to get a real good dose of why the truth is so important. Okay. Now God does this. God does this in cycles. I'm going to back off. I'm going to teach for a bit. So I'm going to shift gears here. I'm going to back up a bit. All right. Every time God does a new thing, every time he starts a new movement, there is usually a miracle of divine judgment for those who have stepped out of truth. I'm going to say this again. Listen to me. Every time God does something good and something new and powerful, usually there is a miracle of divine judgment to show how valuable it is to remain glued to the truth, loyal to the truth. Uh, you don't believe me. All right. So let's go. First one is the promised land. Let's go back to this. When the children of Israel are going to enter the promised land and Joshua is crossing and they go up to, to Jericho and the walls come down and God's doing a new thing and Israel's going to march in to uh, something happened. There was a guy named Achan that took some of the goods for himself. Does anybody remember that? All right. The story we're going to read in just a second has a word in it that's only found three times in the entire Bible. And it's in the Greek Old Testament. And it says it's the word for booty. And, and here in Acts chapter five, intentionally, Luke goes back and uses that word from this story of Achan's sin. And what happened to Achan when he took the booty, the, the goods for himself? What happened? The earth opened up and swallowed him and his family. Does, do you remember that? that? That's a miracle. It's a miracle of what? Judgment. It's a miracle of judgment. So it happened all the way back when they were entering the promised land. And there, I'm telling you in the text, this Greek word ties back into the Greek Old Testament so that everybody knew in this chapter five, what's being talked about, all right? The second, remember there was a new tabernacle. And the children of Israel were dedicating the new tabernacle as a place of worship. And Moses had said, this is how you're to build it. They built it. And man, they were ready to go. And Nadab and Abihu were the, the sons of the priest. And Nadab and Abihu, they didn't take their job seriously that they were supposed to not be drunk walking into the presence of God. So they walk in and they offered, the Bible says, strange fire, and which I'm not going to go into it, but, but they were dishonoring God. And what happened when Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire? You can read about this. It's back in Leviticus chapter 10. When they did that, what happened? Fire came out from the presence of God and destroyed them and they died right there. The temple wasn't burned down, but they were killed. All right, and that is called a, a miracle, right? A miracle of judgment. Are y'all following me here? We've got Achan, now we've got Nadab and Abihu. How about the new temple? when David was going to build the new temple and they were put the ark of God on the cart and they're riding the cart on an ark, not like it's supposed to be carried, not like God said, and they weren't honoring God with how they're going to do it. And then that guy, Eli, uh, is that his name? Eli, Uzzah, Uzzah, you remember Uzzah? Not Uzi, Uzzah. He reached out his hand, put it on the ark. And what happened when he put his hand on the ark? What happened? He fell over dead. That is a miracle. Y'all can say this with me. It's a miracle of judgment to remind the people that you don't mess with God's truth. Are you, are you hearing me here? See, we want to make God all, all daisies, pansies, and roses. And God is a holy God and you don't mess with him. If you do, you should be afraid because you're in danger of dying. You're in danger of suffering the lack of truth. So what happened? So new church is being established here in Acts chapter two. So we get to Acts chapter five. Now there was a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira and they sold a piece of property and with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and he brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet. Then Peter said to him, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? So he's doing what? 
He is not embracing the truth that God is worthy of it all. He's, he's lying. He is presenting half truths. I sold a field. Yes, I did. That's the truth. Here is the money from it, all of it. And he was lying. How is it Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? You didn't have to sell it. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You didn't have to give it. See, that's an alarm. You need to listen. <laughs> what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and what did he do? Died. Why? Why did he die? Because Peter was so awesome? No, he died because God was doing a new thing and he says, you will not defame me with lies and half-truths. And God killed him. And great fear sees all who heard what had happened. That would bring a revival to this church. Bring your tithes today. Some guy walks up and he shorts God a couple of bucks and boom, over dead they fall. <laughs> Tell you what, either we'd have more in church bringing their whole tithes or there would be people disappear. <laughs> right? Well, that's what happened right here because it brought a seriousness to the moment. Then, uh, I, I won't finish this story, but the story is that his wife came in, did the same thing. She fell over and died too. So, warning. We're not allowed to compromise God's truth and integrity for any reason. I'm going to use an illustration. 200 years ago, in this, I, I read a book recently called uh, The Color of Compromise. It's by a guy named Jamar Tisby. And... Um, he was going through the history of America. And I think it's an undebatable fact that 200 years ago in America, slavery of black people was allowed because group think in America, the, the way of thinking in America, the moral acceptable way of thinking in America was that black people were subhuman to white people. Now, that is abhorrent to us today, and it should be, because it is a lie from the pit of hell, and it's not what God says. God puts everybody on equal ground. By the way, he doesn't ask you to change races to go to heaven, because in Revelation, we find that every nation, tribe, people, and language are gathered before the, the throne of God and worshiping us. So apparently, we're going to keep some of our distinctiveness even when we get to heaven. But groupthink said, groupthink said, it's all right to own black people because they're subhuman. You see, it was moral in the eyes of our culture to do something that was amoral to God's truth because a bunch of people proclaimed it. Are you going where I'm going? Just because culture says something is right or wrong, it does not mean it's right or wrong. We have truth rooted in God's word and God's holiness that is true regardless of what group drink in our culture says. And my standard of morality is not Congress or even the Supreme Court. My standard of morality is the word of the living God. And in the beginning, God made them how? Male and female. Groupthink, I'll show you how this affects us today, all right? All right, y'all ready? Groupthink in a marriage kid today is, is that your gender is something you choose. Anybody heard this groupthink going around? Come on, this is big now. I can choose my gender. As a matter of fact, there was a court down in Texas that gave an eight-year-old the right to... Anyway, I'm not even going to go there. Abuse their own bodies. Now listen, groupthink says that you get to choose your own gender. The problem is that's not what God's word said. And, and can we just be honest? That's not the truth. I remember reading in a World Health Organization article and the whole article was promoting gender replacement. <laughs> How do you know when you're a guy? How do you know when you're a girl? 
I was reading this stuff. And as I'm reading this stuff, it's everywhere. They're telling us that there's no such thing as gender. It's something you choose, blah, 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 blah. And then they get down to the last paragraph and they said, oh, by the way, if you have a Y chromosome, you're male whether you like it or not. We just spent 14, 15 paragraphs telling me group think, but when it comes to truth, the truth is this. If you've got a Y chromosome, you're a dude. And if you got two X chromosomes, you're a chick. Dude, chick, there you go. It's as simple. You cannot be a bus or a helicopter or a dog. You're either a man or a woman because in the beginning, God created them male and female. Listen to this. This is what it's all about. The rest of that verse says, in the image of God, he created them. God created us to reflect his image. So what groupthink is trying to do to you with your sexual identity and to our culture with our sexual identity is the same thing that groupthink was trying to do with black people 200 years ago. Make them less than human and make you less than God's identity for you. I think we need to be glued to the truth. Do you know why? Truth blesses you. Acts chapter three, verse 26. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you. How did he choose to bless you? By turning you from your wicked ways. God's way of restoration is to bring you back to his ways and away from your group think ways. Listen, if you're not embracing the truth of God's word, you will always live less than God designed you for. All right, I got a whole nother point to go and I'm out of time. What do I do? One another. I heard encouragement, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> One another. I was reading an article in Christianity Today and it quotes, it quotes uh, the uh, Journal of General Internal Medicine from the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University, okay? This, neither one of those are Christian organizations. And this is what it says. Evidence shows that Americans who actively engage with the Bible, like I'm asking you to do this month, and in corporate worship score higher on every measure of human flourishing, including better mental and physical health and a deeper sense of character and virtue. They even have a greater sense of financial and material stability compared with those who don't attend church or engage in the Bible. Because when you are glued to the truth, you know you are glued to the truth and it gives you life and hope. So God called us to be a part of the scriptures and a part of one another, the church of Jesus. We are glued to one another. Now, the, the choice of who will, listen, the problem is with this one another thing is the choice of who you will be loyal to needs to be predicated on the previous two things you were loyal to. I remember there was a time I was loyal to a certain guy in my life that every time I got around him, he was like, hey, let's go do, hey, let's go, right? He was leading me away from God and he was leading me away from truth. So what happened was I was not loyal to the right person and I was being led astray. So being loyal to the people, the people you choose to be loyal to is third after you're loyal to God and after you're loyal to the truth. Because believe it or not, there are people in this world, they do not want to invest in you to make you better. They want only to use you so they can get pleasure from you. So... Let, let's skip one down. Let's look at the book of Acts. The early church was loyal to one another. I'm just going to read you some verses. Acts 4, 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They went back to their own people. Look down at 432. All the believers were of one heart and one mind. How many? All the believers. So there's a one another text here. Let's go down to the next one. Acts 5:42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they were meeting in one another's house. Let's go down one more. So when you're loyal to one another, there are going to be problems that happen. Problems are going to happen. Did you know that? If you think you can live your entire life being loyal to somebody and not have an issue, then you're really not in a relationship. 
So here's what happened in, in Acts chapter six, one through seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing because church growth always brings problems, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them. So they presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them and the word of God spread because what happened was the word of God spread because when there was a problem, they used it as an opportunity to grow rather than to fight against each other. What happened in this passage is what needs to happen in every church, including this one. So I went to Chipotle the other night. Me and my wife were hungry and it was late and we were hungry and we'd worked a long time and uh, we've been doing this weird fast and it just got blown up because of life circumstances. We hadn't eaten hours and hours and we were starving. So we we're going to go up here to Chipotle and get us food. But the problem was they didn't have any chicken made. And I am not going to pay for steak when my chicken is right there. Now, if they want to give me steak, that's different, but they didn't want to give me steak. Cause, and you know, we'd watch something while we were there. There were about 12 employees in Chipotle and only one person was running around busy working. And you know which person that was? The manager. Now, the manager was doing a disservice to the entire Chipotle and to every person that came in. Why? Why? Because the manager wasn't releasing duties into the hands of the people who needed to do their job. Are you following me? In this church, the quality of this church will not depend on how much I can do. It will depend on how committed you are and how loyal you are to serve and to minister to one another. The quality of this church does not depend on me. It depends on your willingness to step in and do what you're called to do. Because I will guarantee you, I'm going to try to facilitate you working. Because I will not be that manager. People not being served because I'm busy and nobody else knows what to do. Are y'all following me? All right. So we're loyal to one another when we choose to be loyal to them. So I'm just going to uh, conclude by saying this. There's one person in my life I've met probably more than any other person that I can say has influenced me probably the second only to my wife in my entire life, maybe my father, and that would be Bob Stetz. Bob Stetz is a man of God. And every person I know who's ever gotten close to him has gotten closer to Jesus Christ by talking to him. Because he is loyal to God, he's loyal to truth, and he will be loyal to you. I wish and I pray and I strive to be that kind of man. And that's the kind of person I would like you to be. The kind of person that you're so loyal to God, nobody ever questions, and second, you're so loyal to truth that you will even change your opinions when presented with truth. And lastly of all, you're so loyal to one another that everybody that comes closer to you is blessed for it. Now, this early church, their loyalty cost them. Reminds me of a book, I, I, story I read in this book. I'm going to do it again. I'm going I'm to probably share several from this book, this series. The girl, um, the girl was 24 years old. She was married to a man named Mahumed. Mahumed lived across the street from a Christian um, um, they were a, a, like a, a medical facility that was there trying to reach out to this Muslim country. And uh, Mahumed lived across the street and he would speak evilly of the Christians. He, was, he would curse them. He would spread lies about them. He would stand on the street corner as people were going to the mosque to pray. And he would condemn by name the people saying they were trying to poison them and telling lies about the Christians. And Mahumed got sick though. And when he got sick, he got a kind of cancer that made him even sicker and sicker. And eventually he got to the point that he couldn't function well. And the people noticed. And in that Muslim culture, if you were sick of that kind of cancer, you were cursed and under a demonic curse. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't frequent his store. So Mahomet lost his income and he lost his health. 
And the Christians across the street started reaching out to Mahomet and showing the love of Jesus to him, continued loving him. They took him food. They, they met his financial needs. Even when he got sick and he couldn't take care of himself, they were over washing his body and they were taking care of him. So much so the whole while Muhammad to, to begin with was, was cursing them, but yet they continued to love him and love him and love him and love him. And finally, before he died, Muhammad opened his heart and gave his life to Jesus Christ. At 57, he died, but he had several wives and his youngest was 24. 24 year old wife, um, I, her name was, um, find her name real quick. Starts with an A, Aisha. Aisha was 24 years old and she watched her husband go through this and, and watched him finally make a decision to follow Jesus. So she made a decision to follow Jesus as well. She became a very effective evangelist and she began to share the good news around and finally the local Islamic police got mad at her and, and they took her and they brought her in and they roughed her up and then they threw her in the cellar under the police department. There was no light in the cellar, it was dark, there were rats and things scurrying around, there's no light whatsoever. And she was down there, she had been mistreated, abused, now she's without a husband, her life is a mess, and now she knows she's gonna probably die for a cause of Christ. And she's in a cellar and she said, she raised her voice to yell at God and say, I can't do it anymore. But instead what came out of her mouth was a song of praise. And as soon as the praise started coming out of her mouth, remember Dimitri last week, and as soon as the song of praise started coming out, she said all of a sudden the presence of God filled the room and she began to worship even more and more powerfully. And she noticed as she was singing and singing these songs of praise upstairs, all the police just stopped moving. And eventually everybody moved and then they left and then it was dark at night and the chief of police came downstairs. When he came downstairs, he opened the door. He said, come on out. I, I, I want you to go with me. There's more to the story, but what he said to her is, I want you to go with me to share with my wife how they can overcome fear. You're not afraid, but my wives are filled with anxiety and fear and their lives are totally under the control of fear and anxiety, but you had no fear. Oh, no, no, she had fear. She just chose to do something in the face of fear. She chose to be loyal to her God, to stand on the truth and not deny the loyalty that she knew she had in her heart. I wanna tell you today, if you're struggling, the answer is not to make excuses or to lie. It's not to abandon God and follow your feelings. Your answer is that you need to lift your hands in worship and you need to begin to proclaim the truth of who God is over the crisis. And you need to be loyal to what God has called you to be loyal to. And you need to leave behind the fear that tells you you can't do it. Father God, I pray that today, if there are those that have not made that confession, as we sing this song, that they would stand to their feet and they would lift their hands and they would declare Jesus as Lord. And that Father, in this room and around this world, those watching online, they would come to faith in you and Jesus. And God, I pray if there are those in crisis in their lives today and they're struggling with what the truth is for their life, maybe they're struggling with feelings they don't know how to overcome as we sing this song and they lift their hands. I pray that they would have victory in this moment in the name of Jesus. Could you right now, if you're in this room and you need to do that, you need to say like Aisha, it is time for me to stand in truth and be loyal to God and his truth in the house of God. If that's you, I want you to stand with me and lift your hands and we're gonna sing it right now together in the name of Jesus.